At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s, dance away with hip-hop beats, and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari. Presented by Bet Rivers. Hey, hey. Welcome in to your Friday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. And just like we share... Uh, the wins on this show, the many, many wins. We're also going to share the losses. Yeah, uh, it was a losing Thursday for me because I played both first halves of both the Aces in Connecticut game, part two. Uh, we saw that game on Tuesday. We saw it again on Thursday. Look a little bit different, ended different, that was for certain. And I also bet on the first half of the Warriors-Celtics game. I bet the Warriors minus one and a half in the first half. That did not come home. I believe they were down by two at the half, unfortunately, because despite the fact that they were up almost the entire first and second quarter. And yes, Steph Curry got into some foul trouble, but there was only like a minute left at that point. So I don't know that that was to do with that. And then the uh, Aces come out, and in the first quarter, the Connecticut Sun demolished them. They're up by 15 after the first quarter, and the Connecticut Sun shot 83% in the first quarter. So it's tough to predict that. (laughs) I have to say, there was no signs of me thinking that the Sun were capable of doing something like that, uh, except for they were highly motivated to do so, apparently. So uh, they came out and shot the lights out, and fortunately, the Aces being as talented as they are, they were able to cut that lead to three by the half, but not enough uh, where I had the Aces to win halftime and full-time. It would have lost regardless, because the Sun did end up to go on and win this game on Thursday. So looks like we do finally have two top teams in the WNBA, and that's a that's a big loss for the Aces. Aces, uh, because they were looking not necessarily a big loss in the sense that this is probably the number two team, but a big loss in the sense that 
they're mortal, right? They can be defeated now. We've seen it. Yes, they have one other loss, but uh, this was the one I think that shows, okay, there's some other contenders here at the top. And I think that's what the Sun were trying to do. Uh, regardless, that's a zero and two day for me on Thursday, which is fine. Regression happens, but uh, we're going to move forward. And it's June, by the way. If it's Friday and you're listening, it's June 3rd. Can you believe it? I, it's like June? June. Wow. I, I was just coasting here like it's not even summer yet and it's summer. It is full-blown summer. So let's get into it. A summary show ahead. Baseball and WNBA. So first we'll talk Angels and Dodgers with Adam Burke of VSIN. Both in action on Friday, hopefully here. Angels at Phillies coming off of what, their eighth loss in a row now and getting swept by both the Blue Jays and then the Yankees, unfortunately had to play a doubleheader on Thursday and lost by one run in the eighth inning. They scored in the top of the eighth. The Yankees came back and scored two in the bottom of the eighth. Just brutal. But eighth straight, eight straight losses for the Angels now. And then the Dodgers now taking on the Mets again. And uh, 7.10 p.m. Pacific time start for that one. They'll be facing the Mets through Sunday. And then hopefully I'll get to jump on with Will Hill on Sunday if all things go well. We can break down how everything looked in those uh, L.A. and New York games. It's been good baseball being played with those those teams. And then, as promised, part two, WNBA Friday preview with Miles Ehrlich of uh, Windsider. He writes about the New York Liberty, WNBA writer. You've heard him on the show before, possibly. Four games on Friday, Liberty at Mystics. That's kind of the one that Miles pointed out as being the one he was most interested in uh, or excited about. Sky at the Dream. The Sun at the Mercury and the Dallas Wings at the Seattle Storm. That is the one I'm excited for. I'm hoping to see some fireworks in that game. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines and some WNBA lines available at Bet River Sportsbook. So for the Dodgers, Friday action, Mets on the money line, plus 138. Dodgers, minus 162. If you like the run line, the Mets plus one and a half runs is minus 159. The Dodgers minus one and a half is plus 128. Total for this game sitting at eight and a half, slightly juiced to the under, especially after that low, low scoring game we saw on Thursday between the two. And as I mentioned, the Angels lost eight in a row. No line yet here, but we are still seeing them at 20 to one to win the World Series. I'd expect this total to be similar, uh, sitting around eight and a half or so for this Angels Phillies matchup. Brutal stretch of games for the Angels. Can they get a break? Like an actual break, not just also a win would be nice. Uh, as for the WNBA, the Sparks, LA Sparks are still 30-1 to 1 to win the championship. Not a ticket I have, not a ticket I'd want necessarily. And the Mystics, a ticket I do want, but is not as good as it could have been at the start of the season. 10-1, to 1, but I think is only going to keep going down from there, so grab it if you want it. And Jackie Young of the Aces, still 25-1 to 1 to win the MVP we saw some issues with the Aces versus the Sun in Thursday night, too, with the Aces having depth issues, and so that would be my one concern if you want to have an Aces ticket, of course. If you want to know what the WNBA lines are, we're seeing 12 and a half, 12 uh, for this Liberty Mystics game, so Liberty having to get 12 and a half here, the Mystics lay 12. And the total for this one sitting at 155. You'll hear in our preview uh, with Miles, we did record before we had lines up, that we talked about how low scoring this would be would definitely be in the 150s and that's where we see it now 155 i'm a little bit hesitant because the liberty defense is not stellar and neither is their offense uh, but this total could be too low to bet for that reason i'll probably look for something more like a first half under for these teams uh, and then sky and dream happening at 4 30 p.m pacific time the Sky are only having to lay three, which is very tempting, very interesting, but they are by far of like the more 
top tier teams of the more winning teams are not doing well at covering. So they're not the worst against the spread, but just relative to how good they are, they're not really covering. I think they've only covered two times. So it makes me nervous. They like to have those close games for whatever reason. Obviously, I don't like it, but that's the situation they're in. So laying three is definitely tempting against this dream team. They're coming off of barely beating the Mercury right after Diana Trossi got that technical, left the game, Tina Charles took over. So maybe the Sky are not happy about how the end of that game went, even though they, they did win, but just barely. So I could see them doubling down on defense here. For that reason, another low total, 156.5 for this one. Would not mind looking under in this game as well. And, you know, three is not enough for me to, to go with the dream. But I, I definitely don't want to lay points at the sky at this point in time. The sun and the mercury also. The mercury uh, getting the sun coming off of their win over the aces. They played the aces twice this week, Tuesday, Thursday. Now they're playing a back-to-back. -back, so playing on Friday night. Not seeing a total for this yet, expecting it to be low. And this is probably going to be the, the best one to bet just because the Mercury, the one thing they have going for them is offense. We just saw the sun explode with offense. The book knows they played yesterday. They're going to factor that in. But there might be an opportunity for an under here as well. And then finally, the wings and storm. The storm minus seven. You can even find a seven and a half for the wings if that's the way you're looking. And I don't hate that, honestly, the way the wings team has been playing. I do think they're going to get outworked by this veteran storm team, especially with Brianna Stewart doing what she's been doing lately. Total for this one, 162 and a half. I like an over. I do. You can find all these odds and more at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And now let's welcome in Adam Burke from Vston. You can find him on Twitter at Skating Tripods. Adam, uh, people have been asking you about your, your handle again. I saw you tweet that out. Yeah, maybe. I mean, every, everybody likes to ask about it because it's pretty unique, I guess I would say. But uh, yeah, you know, I... My hockey playing days are in the past, but I had some good times with the skating tripods and our games, uh, minus the skill, but looked a lot like the Oilers Avs game one, the eight, six type of variety. Oh, oh, that's, that's the kind of hockey I like to watch though. That's what I want to see. I used to cover minor league hockey when I worked in Wyoming, the Cheyenne stampede, okay. lots of goals, lots and lots of goals. So I think that's the fun kind of hockey personally. Uh, we've also been seeing some really high scoring baseball games. I'm talking of course about the Dodgers game and the fact that the pirates are the first team to sweep the Dodgers this season. If you can believe that, if you, what do you think the odds would have been on that, that the first team to sweep the Dodgers this series, were going to be the pirates. Well, let's see. I mean, given that they were, what, plus 250-ish on average across all three games, uh, it would have been a very high price point. But you know what? I think that while we can joke about it and while maybe Dodgers fans are panicking a little bit because, you mm. know, I mean, with three straight losses to the Pirates, why not? But it's amazing to me to think that five of the Dodgers' losses are the Pirates. But I think what's maybe more impressive is that five of Pittsburgh's wins, which is just yes. simply remarkable. Um, you know, I actually kind of looked at this. I think the Dodgers or the Pirates are like 0-11 against the Brewers and the Cardinals. And they've actually mm -hmm. been pretty good against everybody else, oddly enough, including the Dodgers. Yeah, first time they've swept L.A. in nearly 22 years. So not exactly uh, good news for the Dodgers. But I guess tell us why we shouldn't be panicking about the Dodgers, if anybody is. Or just maybe flailing a bit. Well, yeah, I mean, look, variance happens in Major League Baseball. You know, things just kind of go awry sometimes, you know, and, and it's always funny too, because you, you think about how a player starts off a season. If a player starts off a season really bad, everyone's like, oh my God, what's wrong with that guy? But if he has that same stretch in June or July, nobody notices, you know, by the mm -hmm. end of the season, no one will remember that the Pirates swept the Dodgers. I mean, maybe the Pirates social media people will and talk about it. You know, oh, we swept the, the best team in baseball, whatever. But 
no one will remember this in you know probably a week. That was or their so. World Series, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and we talked about it for the Dodgers. I mean, there are some games that they just won't be interested in. You know, there are some series that they just won't be all that interested in. And you know, maybe it's one of those cases where they kind of got embarrassed in the first game or maybe the first two games of that series, and then maybe tried a little bit hard in game a little bit too hard in game three. You know, it didn't come organically, something like that. Maybe they were looking ahead to this series with the Mets. I, I don't know, but. Those things happen. You know, the, the worst team in baseball still wins 60 games throughout the course of the year, usually. And it just so happened that the Pirates won three in a row against the Dodgers. And I wouldn't read too much into it, although there are some things on the pitching side I'm sure we'll talk about here with regards to the series against the Mets that are a little bit concerning for me. Right. So let's just jump into that then, of course. So Mets at Dodgers. It's actually starting on Thursday, I believe, Gonsolin for Dodgers. But we're looking at Friday's matchup here. Chris Bassett for the Mets versus Tyler Anderson. I know we talked about this on Wednesday. This was a game you were a little bit excited about for Tyler Anderson. Yeah, and unfortunately, I saw the opening line, and it's still Dodgers minus 155 out there. That was the Mm. global opener offshore, and then uh, DraftKings followed suit and went minus 155 as well. But, you know, look, I mean – Obviously, you know, you're still paying a premium if you want to back the Dodgers. You know, a series loss, a sweep against the Pirates has no material impact on how they're priced out there in the marketplace. I'm curious to see where this line goes, though, because I think that a lot of people will look at Tyler Anderson and look at his career numbers and all those different types of things and say, well, this isn't sustainable. You know, there's no way that he Mm -hmm. can keep this going. And they'll look at Chris Bassett and say, look, Chris Bassett's been really good for a long period of time. He's been a very consistent guy. Oh, I'm going to back the Mets here because that's a big price on Bassett. Well, look, I think what Tyler Anderson is doing is very much sustainable. If you look at the low walk rate, the hard hit percentage against, which has always been one of his best metrics, has been his hard hit rate. He's a guy that just had to deal with pitching for Colorado, had to deal with pitching for Pittsburgh, two organizations that do not do a good job of cultivating pitchers and improving their arsenals and their repertoires, whereas the Dodgers are very good at doing that. So, I think what Anderson is doing is sustainable. I will lay this price, and and I'm hoping it goes down a little bit overnight, but I will lay this price on the Dodgers here because I feel that strongly about this matchup and also about fading the Mets, which we can probably expand on if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's. I mean, why would you fade the Mets here? And and also with Tyler Anderson, is there uh, any issues for the Mets with left-handed pitchers? Uh, I mean, there really haven't been any issues with the Mets with any pitcher so far this season, it feels like. (laughs) But the thing that's really interesting, and Mike Petrello wrote about this uh, over at MLB.com. He's a guy that uses a lot of the StatCast data to analyze baseball. He wrote about this a few weeks ago, about how the Mets don't really make high-quality contact. They don't have a high hard hit rate. They don't barrel a lot of balls. But they do put a lot of balls in play. They've had a lot of success on ground balls. When I looked a few days ago, they were leading Major League Baseball in batting average on ground balls. And a lot of that has to do with they've played a lot of games here so far against the Phillies and the Nationals. And those are two of the worst defensive teams in Major League Baseball. Philadelphia has been really bad for a long time. The Phillies also have a really bad bullpen, and that hurts them too. But Hmm. the Mets have played, according to that Petrello article, over 60% of their schedule against the four worst defensive teams in baseball. So they've had a lot of good fortunes on their balls in play. The Dodgers are not a bad defensive team. In fact, the Dodgers are a really good defensive team. So I think this could be a wake-up call series for the Mets. Unfortunately, it's already priced that way, where the Dodgers are pretty big favorites. But I think this series could kind of show us maybe a little bit of regression from the Mets, and I think that could continue as they play a little bit stronger of a schedule here moving forward. 
So do you expect to see the Dodgers at all shaken by how this last series went? Or do you think they're going to put that away and just do business? Yeah, I mean, I think they should put it away. You know, they've got a veteran yeah. manager in, in Dave Roberts. they got a lot of veteran guys there in, in that clubhouse as well where, you know, honestly, they may kind of laugh it off in a couple of days. You mm -hmm. know, right now the, the sting is pretty fresh and it's kind of embarrassing to, to get swept by the Pirates. But to me, I think this is something this team can easily put behind them. When you look at them statistically – they're still dominating, both on the pitching side and on the hitting side. There's nothing fluky about their record and where it is. They had three bad games. It happens. You know, you'd rather have three bad games now than have three bad games in a row in October or something like that. So I, I think they'll be just fine. Yeah. Uh, it was unfortunate, too. On one of those games, it was Julio Arias's bobblehead night. And on his own bobblehead night, just uh, allowed homers in each of the first two innings. So, yes, hoping to see the Dodgers bounce back here. Expecting that. And maybe this Friday is a good spot to be on Tyler Anderson. Let's talk about the Angels as well, who are struggling. They are struggling. They lost six in a row. Then they started facing the Yankees. They lost the first of that game. It looks like they're about to lose the second game here as we're watching. Uh, and they'll now have to move on to facing the Phillies on Friday. So Chase Silseth, I'm seeing on the mound for the Angels. And Zach Eflin for the Phillies. What are you expecting in this matchup? Well, I will say this, you know, as we're recording here on Thursday, as you mentioned, you know, Shohei Otani didn't pitch particularly well, only lasted three innings in game one of a doubleheader. That's a really big issue because this is a team, an Angels team that, you know, they're using a six-man rotation. So they're kind of stretching everybody out in terms of starting. But this bullpen has been worked extensively and has not pitched well over the last three weeks or so. And now you get in game one a really bad start from Otani. We'll see what happens in game two for them and if Reed Detmers is actually able to give them any kind of length, yeah. which I don't know if that's going to be the case. But now you go into a series against the Phillies where the Phillies offensively are really struggling. You know, Bryce Harper is very clearly hurt. He's trying to play through it. Gene Segura just won up on the DL. He's going to miss probably about three months, two and a half or three months here. So the Phillies offense is a little bit watered down, but there's still a lot of potential and promise with that team. And now you go into this series, and on Friday with Silseth going, a guy that pitched really well in his first start against Oakland, not so good in his second start against Oakland, and then didn't have a strikeout against 18 batters in this start against the Blue Jays. So you run into a scenario now where you get the doubleheader on Thursday, where you get a short start in game one, and presumably a short start in game two, based on my handicap of Detmers. Now you go into the weekend where you may get another short start on Friday in the opener against the Phillies, this Angels bullpen, which is not performing well, has also had a really high workload. And that's something that can be that can linger for a long period of time, not even just in this series, but as we go forward as well, with a lot of teams right now playing, you know, 30 games in 30 days, 30 games in 29 days, stuff like that. I'm very, very concerned right now about the Angels pitching staff as a whole. Let's see if the offense can get it back going here in this series against the Phillies, who have a bad defensive team. Well, at least the Phillies, though, in terms of your rest and injury situation that we're starting to pop up here across the MLB, uh, at least the Phillies are getting a day off here, and it looks like the Angels are going to go right into this after a doubleheader, after New York, and now they're going to be on the road, continuing on the road. So how much do you factor that into this Phillies-Angels series as well? Yeah, I think it has to be factored in quite a bit. I mean, also, too, you, know, you look at the Phillies, and, and as I mentioned, their offense has not been good over the last two and a half, three weeks. But they've had so many games that they've blown late. You know, whether they've had mm -hmm. defensive miscues or bullpen issues or, or whatever else, this is a team that probably should have a much better record than it does. But 
they just find ways to lose. And and bad teams do that. They find this, ways to is lose. Is this a, a Philadelphia team thing? Because this is reminding me of the Sixers at this point. It, it might be. It, it absolutely might be. And and <laughs> the, the bad bullpen and the bad defense have been long-time hallmarks of this Phillies organization. And, and I don't necessarily know why. I mean, uh, you know, they had their run with the World Series and the good teams with Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley and all that. Since then, they've been pretty bad defensively. I mean, this is this is an epidemic for them. It is something that can play into the Angels' favor, though, because the Angels do have a lot of guys that will hit the ball hard, that will hit the ball deep, and it's warming up on the East Coast as well. To me, I look at this series, and I see the potential for some over games. I think Friday has that possibility with Silseth, although Zach Eflin's pitched really, really well. Michael Lorenzen on Saturday is a guy that the market's been betting against quite often here. A reliever turned starter. You know, not a not a high strikeout rate. The walk rate's a little concerning. The market's been mm. betting against him. Uh, and then Patrick Sandoval is a guy that I love on Sunday. But, you know, he's had some ups and downs here this season as well. So we could see some runs in this one, although I think that this series will be priced as if we're going to see some runs. Probably a lot of nine, nine and a half totals here. Yeah, and I'm seeing Eflin going deep in these innings as well. Six, seven, and six in his last three games. I think we're seeing that from a, a lot of pitchers right now. They're going a little bit deeper into these games. How do you see that? kind of playing out well I think it's a positive and a negative you know obviously mm. it's a positive for the Phillies because the less of their bullpen the better but at the same time managers are starting to try and push their starters a little bit too far we saw Joe Girardi do it yesterday or on Wednesday I should say with Aaron Nola you know Aaron Nola is a guy that the third time through the order is very difficult for him he gives up five runs there in the sixth fortunately the offense came back and bailed him out but we're seeing managers do this to try and protect their bullpen arms a little bit, pushing their starters 100, 105, 110, 115 pitches while you know guys get less effective as they get deeper into games, as the lineup sees them for the third time. So we're starting to run into a scenario now where we're seeing a lot of runs in the sixth and seventh innings of these games because these managers are trying to push their starters. Now, Joe Madden doesn't really do that that much with the Angels because he's got a lot of five-and-dive types of guys. So mm -hmm. that's why their bullpen's really struggling quite a bit right now. But I think it's something to follow from a live betting standpoint where these managers are trying to push their starters a little bit too far. And I think in a lot of cases, it's been backfiring. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a good opportunity for live betting. And I unfortunately don't think that the road's getting any easier for the Angels. I mean, they have the doubleheader Thursday at the Yankees and then Phillies on the road for three games. They host the Red Sox and then they have to host the Mets and then they play the Dodgers. So their stretch is, is going to be tough heading through mid-June at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to look at those types of things too, Danielle, because look, you know, the Angels are 5-2 and two against the A's. They swept my Indians in a four-game series. So, you know, they've kind of beaten up on some of the lesser teams that are out there. Now they're stepping up in class a little bit. It's a similar situation. I know this is the L.A. City cast, but mm. the Minnesota Twins, their schedule is yeah. about to ramp up quite a bit where they've been beating up on the bums. They've played a lot of games against the Tigers and the Royals here. Now they're going to start playing some of the better teams. Their strength of schedule is going to start looking a lot more like the White Sox strength of schedule. And that can be tough for a team. You know, when you go from playing a lot of bad teams all of a sudden playing teams that are as good or better than you, you know, maybe that's where you see some of the deficiencies show up. And maybe that's what's happening here with the Angels, where, you know, Toronto sweeps them at home. They've been pretty uncompetitive, at least through the first game and a half against the Yankees here. You know, Boston was the best offensive team in baseball in the month of May. That's probably not a great matchup for them right now. So I think things for the Angels may be a little bit rocky and a little bit bumpy, as you mentioned, you know, playing some of those better teams here going forward.
Yeah, something to keep an eye on for sure. Unfortunately, both of the LA teams kind of hitting a bumpy part of their season at the same time. But hopefully the Dodgers are a little bit more resilient, able to bounce back at that point. Adam Burke, thank you so much for making the time for us. As always, find him on Twitter at Skating Tripods. No problem. Appreciate it. All right, stick with us here on the Los Angeles CityCast. We have WNBA to talk about. Miles Ehrlich is going to be here to break down all four Friday games. Maybe we'll peek ahead to Sunday as well. This is the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Baseball is here and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25 and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Still Danielle Alvari here and ready to welcome back Miles Ehrlich, WNBA writer, covers the New York Liberty for Windsider. Miles, how are you doing today? I'm good. Great to talk to you again. So you're back by popular demand because first of all, most of the most of the sides that you've given out on the show have hit. I don't know if you kept track, but I did. And I think you only got one or two wrong so far. We've had you on. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> the rest of the days when I'm not on the show, I haven't done so well, but I'm glad that it's hitting on Thursdays. Uh, so before we get into all of the Friday games, we have four games on Friday and six on Sunday. We were talking before we started recording about how bananas that Sunday is going to be. I might have to just just take a break. I'm going to be coming back from a wedding. So for me, that's going to be um, a tough one to handicap on Saturday. But uh, the WNBA did announce, uh, this is in an article with The Athletic, that they're looking to expand, adding one to two teams before the end of the 2024 season, or at least before, actually, the 2024 season. Six cities being considered, Nashville, Oakland, San Francisco, Portland, Philadelphia, and Toronto. Please, goodness, do not put a team in Philadelphia. Uh, of these cities, which one would you like to see the next team in you already got well, one in new york yeah shameless plug but last summer danny barlavi who was on the show last week and i yes. spoke to uh the vice mayor of oakland rebecca kaplan about that Very oakland cool. bid yeah. and she it's already passed all of the local um all like the local checks and everything and there's a lot of community support for it they'd be playing wow. in the old or uh oracle arena where yeah. the warriors used to play uh, and yeah, there's just really, really good vibes there. Elena Beard jumped onto that, onto that bid as the face. So that's kind of, I'm a little bit biased because I have some of that like background research <laughs> done, but I really do like that Oakland bid. And there's a lot of just, there. it's a big a market that we're missing with the Bay Area, but Oakland mm -hmm. specifically, just the proximity to some schools with big women's basketball programs, I mm -hmm. think would be great. And if there's a second team, if they put a team in Toronto, they have to charter flights, right? Getting right? over the border. That's, like, what, that's what I feel like, though, is I don't feel like that they can do that just yet. That seems like there's bigger, bigger hurdles to get to the Canada section of things. Yeah, yeah. I think things need to be a lot smoother on just the travel side before that's a consideration. But if that only if it goes backwards and that's only a consideration because they want to have a team in Toronto, then let's let's push it forward. You know what makes me nervous in these cities? Cost of living for these WNBA players, people who are trying to break into the league. I mean, I know we have LA teams, we have big market teams, but it does make me nervous people having to afford to live in the Bay Area. But maybe uh, maybe the girls can live together, have a little moment there. I do know that the the teams do provide housing for oh, nice. some of for the younger players, at least. Um, 
but still, yeah, cost of living is is different. And that, mm-hmm. that goes to trying to get a sandwich. I know that in living in Brooklyn myself, but that's going to be different. But Google's a sponsor, here. right? Google's a WMA yeah. sponsor. All right. Yeah, and wow. Amazon's taking over Seattle too. So there are some big money sponsors. That's what the team names are going to be soon. It's going to be the, the Seattle Amazon versus the <laughs> Bay Area Googles. Um, yep. So the Aces out of control now at the time of recording we've not seen the second aces suns game yet on thursday night so unless the sun come in and just completely upset the aces are in a league of their own right now becky hammond just got coach of the month and her first month being a WNBA coach um nine and one to start the season eight and two ats what what do you think of these aces so far they are so much fun to watch um and i think the first time i was on the diagnosis that i gave to what the big difference was was that they're playing their best players and that Mm. could come back to bite them if there's an injury because the depth isn't great, uh, which is partially because they didn't have a GM in the off season for a majority of the off season and then Mm -hmm. didn't draft very well and, and cut both their first rounders. Um, Oh, sorry, cut eight and 13 or whatever it was. But Mm. those top five are near the top of the league all over the place. Just, just in, in scoring and in, defense jackie young is an mvp candidate not just the most improved candidate but she jumped from 12 points to 19 points and going into tonight's game she's hitting 56 percent of her shots while holding opponents to 28 percent so she's doubling up on, on that on that department and that's and that's guards too so she's really strong on the ball and she's really strong getting to her spots and converting asia wilson yeah like you said she just had her second player of the week and we're not even a month into the season yet um, so they are just really dangerous and they're shooting from outside and a lot of boys. Yeah. I, I agree with yeah. you. So I think it was Chantel Jennings, maybe who writes for the athletic that pointed out during the sky game that the sky had way more points off the bench than the aces did. So that just makes me nervous. Like you said, if there's an injury. So in terms of danger, like they're dangerous, but they're also in a dangerous predicament. It seems like, um, they could be, if there's any injuries, heaven forbid, but I agree with you. I pointed out Jackie Young 25 to 1 in the MVP odds. And I think somebody else on Twitter actually pointed out, probably saw this on WNBA Twitter, that it's pretty much Brianna Stewart and the rest of the Aces. And that's what the odds look like right now for MVP. And, it, and it's kind of rightfully so. Anybody on that team right now in that starting five can score at any time. So dangerous, dangerous team. Uh, but hopefully they can get it done against the Sun again because I do have them winning that game. We'll see. Now we're, if you're listening to this, that means that they won or lost. We'll see. Uh, but let's look ahead to Friday's game. Liberty at the Mystics. So your team you covered here, you're the New York Liberty. I know they've been struggling with some injuries. Um, any insight into that? It's going to be a really long stretch for the three players that are still out. Um, Dee Dee Richards will probably be the first one back, but she's played four minutes total this season. In mm. in preseason, she had a hamstring injury and then tried to tough it out, came into a game, and then came right back out and is still probably back around mid-June. Jocelyn Willoughby had surgery about 10 days ago, and that was a six-week timetable. And then yes. yesterday it was announced that Benajalini also needed surgery on her knee and she's oh, going to no. be out two months. So she could potentially come back for the last seven games of the season, but depending on where the standings are, the team no, probably won't want to rush her back. Yeah. So didn't she already have surgery in the off season you mentioned? Yeah, that was the other knee. <laughs> so it's not even, oh, it's no. not even a re-injury. It's a new injury. Um, oh, no. So it was, I think it was her left in the off season and her right now or the other way around. I know that, she and it and I think we saw it happen at media day. Um, a couple of reporters and I noticed that she 
came out of practice early and was was getting iced up at the time and could barely walk mm-hmm. up to the podium. And then she was in and out of the lineup because before that, up to that point, you could not take Benaja off the floor in mm-hmm. in those practices. She was the one <laughs> player that was just on, and then she was staying after to shoot for 20 minutes every time. So like she was, she's just that player that wants to be out there all the time. So if she can't be, that means I probably couldn't even stand up. Yeah. Uh, she was had such a breakout season last year, and I was so looking forward to what they looked like. New coach with her in there, and now they've just they've really been hamstrung by a lot of these injuries. Some of them being hamstring injuries. Uh, and then Alicia Clark, also I'm seeing questionable for Friday for the Mystics, possibly. But that's been yeah. going on. She's been back and forth. Kareem Copeland of the Washington Post did report that EDD will play, and she's mm-hmm. kind of been in and out of the lineups, but has been consistently playing when she's home. So that so that was expected, but it's good to get confirmation on that. Mystics gave us a little bit of a scare actually the other the other day, but they came back in the second half like true vets, like I was expecting, and were able to win and to cover, I believe. Um, they're twelfth in pace right now. They are by far the slowest moving team, which I think oh, Connecticut was the team that was so slow last year, but now it's the Mystics. The Liberty are ninth right now. Uh, Mystics are second in points per game though, and the Liberty are tenth. So I'm expecting actually a lower scoring game here. I'm, I'm interested to see what the total is going to be. It's going to be in the one fifties. I like to lean under here, and and I think the Mystics will cover again, not having the line just yet. What are your thoughts? I, I agree on taking the under on points. I think this one mm-hmm. could be determined pretty early. The Mystics mm-hmm. have scored more than 20 points in the first quarter seven times in their 10 games, while the Liberty mm-hmm. have scored more than 20 points just three out of nine times. Yeah. Um, th- that, that being said, their last game where they beat the Fever was the first time that the Liberty have won a first quarter of the entire season. Uh, so if there's a big and that's the spread, fever playing a back-to-back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where they were at home for one and then got on a plane at 645 yeah. to play that night, 645 Insane. in the morning. Um, but for the Liberty, they really need Sabrina Ionescu to be aggressive. So as she goes, so does the team. In wins this season, Sabrina's averaging 24 points on 55% shooting and making three threes a game. In losses, she's averaging just 10.9 points on 36% shooting. So that's a tough ask when you're looking at some combination of Natasha Cloud, Ariel Atkins, and maybe Alicia Clark Ding her up if she plays. And even now that they they tried yesterday um, moving Sabrina to the two with Crystal Dangerfield at the point, which is where she's more comfortable and where she played in college. Um, but yeah, Sabrina's got to have a big game, and that's tough against this backcourt. How, what does the turnover situation look like for them? Because I'm still seeing them in 11th in turnover percentage, and that's what I feel like I see every Liberty game. Do you think they're starting to figure that out at all? Well, last night was a pretty good test because yeah. they had nine turnovers in the first half, and the mm. Fever got 14 points off of those nine turnovers, and the Liberty were down by, I think, seven at halftime. And then they had just three in the second half, and no points off the turnover, so they were dead. They were dead ball turnovers, and that twelve is a season low for them. Their previous low was thirteen. Before that, it was like they were averaging over fifteen a game, which would have put them in like tenth place or something like that. And that was just their average. Like that was just their low point was fifteen. So they, um, yeah, turnovers have been a struggle. It's still. I know we're almost a third of the way through the season, but that thirty-two against Connecticut that. is still going to weigh that that ratio pretty high. Um, but having Crystal Dangerfield in there is a big deal, is a pretty big deal for them because it takes some of the pressure off of the ball handlers like Unescu or like Sammy Whitcomb or Benajelani. Those were the three players that were bringing the ball up because coming into the season, Didi Richards was supposed to be the backup point guard 
And yeah, like I said, she's played four minutes. So they kind of had to adjust on the fly. Not the Liberty team I was expecting. We don't we don't have the line for this game just yet, but would you play the Mystics? And if so, up to what? Uh, yeah, I'd play the Mystics and... Seven, oof. eight? I mean, I think it's going to be yeah, higher than that. But I think it'll be higher. Seven or eight. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that. Especially if, if they get off to a quick start and the Liberty don't, mm-hmm. then it's going to be a game that's played at Washington's pace. And then yes. if they slow it down, then I think that, yeah, that we're going to be looking at that under, which means that the, the spread might be harder to hit. Yeah. So seven I would be wary of this under because I'm worried because the Mystics do have that slow pace that the, the total is going to reflect that. And so it might be almost too low to bet. So I'm, I'm wary of that. But I do think that maybe even a first half under because I do think the Mystics actually get off to slower starts. But unfortunately, um, they're just the better shooting team. I mean, third and effective field goal percentage, the Liberty are 12. So if there's going to be a more secure under, I think it's perhaps this first half. Um, but it's, it's tough to say because I think it's going to be a low total. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the Liberty have really struggled in second quarters, too. Uh, I know it sounds yeah. like they've struggled a lot, um, but <laughs> I think they've won four or five straight third quarters. But the first half is definitely where they're struggling more and they kind of dig a hole and then are, you know, impassioned when they come back out of the locker room and are trying to fight back from a double digit deficit. Um, so that first half sounds better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so second and fourth quarter, no good for the Liberty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Except last night. All right. Yeah. yeah, maybe they've turned a corner. Uh, I doubt it. I'm going to probably be looking to play an under there. Uh, Sky and Dream is the other game. We're starting right around 4, actually 4.30 for Sky at the Dream. And I can't, I have just completely undersold this Dream team because Atlanta's 6-3 and three straight up and 6-3 and three ATS. I don't think their schedule's been that hard yet. Is this going to be the first true test for them versus Sky here? So that was what I was going to point out. So I think Atlanta has taken advantage of a relatively easy schedule to start the year. But I mean, they still have to go out and win those games. But the Mm -hmm. combined record of the opponents and their six wins are 20 and 43. So that's just a 32% win percentage. And the Wings, Mm -hmm. who are five and four, are the only team with a winning record that they've beaten. Their three losses, on the other hand, came against elite teams. Vegas beat them by 23. And then Washington beat them twice by 20 and by five. Um, So... When they're facing good teams, they're losing. And similarly to what I said about where how Sabrina goes, the Liberty go. Same with Ryan Howard. She's averaging 20.5 points on 46% shooting in their wins, but just 11 points on 31% shooting in their losses. Do you think we're going to see a, a slower-paced game here? We were talking about this before we started recording, or at least I was mentioning how I don't trust the Chicago Sky to cover a spread like ever right now. Um, they've been keeping games really close, and the Dream are at home. Is there a possibility where you see this being kind of a lower-scoring game? Because that Dream defense is actually rated first in defensive rating. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really seen the Chicago team that was clicking last year in the playoffs and it's made them a really stressful team to wager on (laughs) all but one of their games so far have been decided by single figures uh their last two wins were 95 to 90 over indiana and 73 to 70 over the mercury and that was sandwiched around a seven point loss to vegas so those are two games that have uh, two teams that have three wins and two wins and it just doesn't inspire much confidence that they're going to be able to cover a spread yeah, they're five and three straight up and two and six ATS right now. So mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I think this is going to be a, a lower scoring one. I, I'd like to see this guy kind of catch that rhythm again, like you were talking about. But like you said, they have clear copper now. Maybe they'll start to shake these things out. But Azare Stevens also listed as questionable for Friday. Big impact, not a big impact. What do you think? They they do have some depth at that position because they do have mm -hmm. Candice and and Emma Miesman playing there. And they've had success with those three big lineups. But now that Ka is back, they can definitely fill those minutes with someone that would push the pace maybe a little bit more. So I think they'll be okay. Um, and Cheyenne Parker, this is a, a rivalry game for her. I don't know how much <laughs> stock you put into that, but Cheyenne's been pretty good. Um, I think they'll, I think they'll be okay, but any spread here scares me. Like you said, two and six against the spread. What would that... you play? Like, don't, don't be too easy here, but what would you play? I, uh, this is what I told you off mic, but sky money line and, parlay it with other favorites from tonight because yeah. any so any like points just scare me too much yeah yeah and you might get like a decent number on that actually because this could be kind of i don't know i don't know what this money line is going to sit at i have to imagine the sky are favorite here of course um to win this but dream catching points is interesting it's not something i'm excited to bet but it might end up be where I end up on for this game if I pick a side but I do like the under a little bit more for this game um despite the uh sky kind of again middle of the pack on their defense right now I'd like to see that tighten up a bit yeah lots of pieces in and out but I think they'll this is almost like they're just getting ready for the playoffs they're just tooling and they still don't have Julie Alamond over yet so they're going to be right. fine um but yeah it's been a very slow and confusing start just like it was last year Yes. Well, the next game we're going to talk about on Friday, 7 p.m. Pacific time, the Sun at the Mercury. Like we said at the at the top of this segment, we haven't seen the Sun Aces Part 2 game yet. I'm, I'm assuming that the Aces are going to win this one, but we'll see. I'm sure the Sun are hungry for it. But they have to play a back-to-back, -back, and they've played a lot of games in not very many days here. Uh, and facing a Mercury team at home who showed signs of life, um, but unfortunately it was after Diana Taurasi was ejected from the game. So what do we think? This is kind of messy. Yeah, well, the Suns surrender the third fewest points per game in the W, just a hair under 75 points a night. And then Phoenix scores the third fewest points in the W at around 79. So, mm -hmm. and even with, we've talked about AT's emphasis on pushing in transition, but Connecticut's just 10th in pace. So this is going to be a really slow game and I think a low scoring game. Phoenix has only won two games this year, and it was a back-to-back -back set against Seattle when Stewie was in health and safety protocols. So if not mm -hmm. for Stewie being out, they could very well be winless. Um, but yeah, the only reason this isn't a slam dunk is because the spread's going to be very large and Connecticut's playing a back-to-back. -back. Um, but yeah, I think you could confidently hammer the under here because top to bottom, the matchup leans Connecticut's way, especially if Bree Turner has to be the one to cover AT. And then you've got JJ, who I know hasn't been super aggressive lately, but you still have to cover JJ. And Tina Charles either looking what at you, her or Bree Jones. Too? I we haven't saw, seen like MVP John Quell yet. We saw some of that in the playoffs last year when AT came back. She was supposed to be out for the entire season uh, because she tore her Achilles, but then she came back in the playoffs. They didn't really get regular season reps together. It wasn't until that third round playoff series where they where they lost to the Sky, and JJ disappeared in a lot of that series too. And I think that a lot of it is. And in 2019, they were able to play together and there wasn't much of a problem. I think a lot of it is the fact that right now they've got players that are willing to run with AT that are filling the lanes. So Dewana Bonner is happy to pull up and transition. Same thing when you've got Natisha Heidemann now in the starting lineup with Jasmine Thomas. 
Uh, so I think that they are pushing. They're not pushing quickly because they're still lower in pace. <laughs> but when they are, they're choosing their spots. And JJ is the trailer there. And unless they're looking for a trail three, they're not really playing through the post like they did last year. I'd love to see some of that, some pick and pop action with with AT and JJ, get them playing off each other a little bit more because that's just that combination is really hard to defend. But they haven't. They're playing two completely different styles of basketball. It feels like. Right. And it's weird because I've, I know I've said this before on this podcast and probably to you, but just that Connecticut last year was the team that gelled the best and knew where each other were all the time. And it's like the complete opposite for them this year. So it's really sad to see that fall off because I think that's what made them actually kind of a dangerous team. But um, hopefully they can figure that out, get that back on track. For me, yeah, under, under, but I'm, I'm wondering how low this total is going to be. So I would lean under for this one for sure. And I don't want to bet on the Mercury. I can't. They're going to get a lot of points, but I can't do it right now. Um, if we look at the last game now, Wings at the Storm, 7 p.m. Pacific time for this one. This, to me, is going to be the most fun one to watch, I think, if at least if you like offense. So uh, the Wings don't have anybody out. The Storm, it looks like some probables all listed for Friday. Maybe illness. We have Sue Bird, Ezzy Magdebor, and Stephanie Talbot. All probable, but all says illness. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts? What do you think we're going to see? Okay, that's news to me. Last I saw, Ezzy and Sue were still out, but Talbot's definitely back. There's also a chance Mercedes Russell makes her debut, and that would mm -hmm. be big for them. I, I went back to last year's matchups between these two teams, and it was a lot mm -hmm. of fun. Um, yeah. the Three incredibly close games. The Storm won the first game 100-97 to 97 in overtime. The Storm nice. won the second game 105-102, to 102, also in overtime. And then the Wings <laughs> won the third game in regulation 68-67. to 67. Uh, and Jewel Lloyd and Enrique Kumbawale were just, that matchup is just so exciting. And across those three games, Jewel scored 75 points total and Enrique scored 74. So it was really a back and forth. Um, so I think it's just going to be a lot of fun. This is game four of a five-game road trip for the Wings, and they're one and two so far. They beat Connecticut once, but then lost to the Sun by 31 a couple of days later, and then the other night there was that game against the Sparks where they fell down big early, almost came back. Arike kicked a scoreboard, and then no one's talked about it. Um, so uh, it's it's I, weird. I did. I talked about it extensively because okay. that ruined okay, my good. that ruined my. I had fourteen parlay going, and she ruined it with that because it could have at least gone to overtime. There was a chance that that could have hit. Um, and I thought, oh my god, Arike, what did she made like seventeen free throws in a row leading up to that, or sixteen and eighty six percent free throw shooter, and misses the first one. Did you see her face too when the camera zoomed yeah. in? And she maybe couldn't believe it herself. She might be the most clutch shooter in the league. Um, Maybe only so, when yeah. someone's guarding her. What happened? Yeah. So then <laughs> she, she then she faked shooting the second one and then goes to kick the scorer's table. I'm still mad. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> yeah. She had to take a, a turnaround fadeaway to make that free throw in the clutch, probably. That's kind of her go-to yeah. shot. Um, mm. But yeah, this is going to be exciting. I think that the Storm have looked pretty good. Two of their losses, like, like we said before came to Phoenix when they didn't have Stewie. And then I mm -hmm. think the other one was to the Aces. It was it was an early season loss. They started one and three. Um, but they're on a four-game winning streak right now, and they're clicking even though they don't have some major pieces. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the Wings are streaky. They started out losing to the Fever, right? And then they went on a big winning streak, and now they're one and two. So they're, they're still hanging around. You don't always know what you're going to get, and that's what makes them scary. I still like the Storm in this game, but I think it's going to be a fun game. I think definitely we're thinking overs. We're thinking overs here, which is unique to Friday games because the rest of them sounded very undery. Um, and I'm even just looking at this here, and the percentage of points from three 
For the Storm, they lead the league 36.6% of their points coming from three, and the Wings are fourth in the league, 33% of them coming. The difference I'm seeing is, is that the Storm, I think, are going to be able to get more fast break points. They're going to get more points off turnover. I think that's something that the Wings are still kind of adding to their repertoire. But I'm expecting a really good fight, and I can't imagine that Arike is going to be um, calm after how the last game ended. So I think this is going to be a really good one. I think Storm favored here. They're at home. By how much do you think? Ooh, I don't think it's going to be that large, even though they're on a winning streak because they are still missing pieces, but it might be mm -hmm. about five. Um, mm. And I, I think I would they're, yeah, I'd play five. Um, but like you said, it, that three-point shooting, both of these teams love to shoot the three, and they're mm -hmm. both top three in making the three. So I think, mm -hmm. um, yeah, if it's around five, and then grab that over, because I think there will be a lot of scoring in this game. Yeah, I think it was the Wings Mystics the other night, right? Was that two, that was Wings Mystics? Um, and yeah, the Wings will just put up threes when you don't when they don't even need them, and they'll just make them. And so it makes me nervous to lay a ton of points against them, just because they can they can turn it around really quickly. Um, but I do think the Storm will get this done. So you think maybe the way to play this Friday is to parlay the favorites here? I think that's what I'm going to do. Um, yeah. And I think the favorite for me in that Chicago Atlanta game, depending on where that line is, is, is still Chicago, is still Chicago for me, even right. though it'll be close because that spread so is going to be scary. Sky, sun and storm money line. Yep. Probably. Mm -hmm. probably get something like at least three to one, probably four to one, something like that. I like it. I, I like it. It's tough because money line parlays. You're always like, which, what's the team they'll ask you? What's, what's the team you're worried about ruining that for you? Uh, Chicago. I think they will ruin it <laughs> for themselves. The yeah, versus the dream. I don't, I don't even think the dream will ruin it. I think I think the sky will ruin it if it's to be ruined. Okay. I, I like the dream. I do. It'll be interesting to see them in their first true test here. I don't know if their offense can hold up, unfortunately, but we'll, we'll see what it is. Um, Miles, thank you so much for coming on again. Uh, so appreciate your time. Of course. Thanks, Danielle. Good to talk to you. All right, and thanks so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Remember, new shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I will tweet out what I end up playing on this Friday game. Don't expect a lot from Sunday. Uh, but I'll be back on Monday for more LA action on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.